You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 76 of Aging Starts Now. I'm Barbara McGinnis, Certified Elder Law Attorney and Partner at Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law. One of the most common reasons people call our office is to talk about saving the house or the farm from the government. What we really mean is 10 care or from Medicaid recovery. And today on this podcast, we're going to talk about the undue hardship exception or exemption from estate recovery and 10 care. Joining me for the discussion is our 10 care specialist, Josh Bay. Welcome, Josh. Hello. So, Josh, there are a number of ways that uh, we can avoid estate recovery. But when we're talking about undue hardship, Tennessee has three particular definitions or three definite scenarios related to undue hardship that could protect the homestead from a state recovery. You want to tell us about those? Correct. Yes, ma'am. So two of the three categories have sub subcategories. Uh, the first one, the property of the estate is, in the, is the sole income producing asset of the survivors, such as a family farm or a family business. That's number one. Number two, a sibling of the deceased individual meets the following criteria. Here's the subcategories for that one. He or she was lawfully residing in the individual's home at least one year immediately before the individual's admission to the medical institution. He or she provided care to such individual for that one year, which permitted the individual to reside in the home rather than in an institution. And he or she has lawfully resided in such home on a continuous basis since the date of the individual's admission to the medical institution. Number so three. let's stop there. Right. Let's stop there for a second. So if we have a 10 care applicant recipient and that person owned a house, but the in they had a sibling that lived with them and that sibling was providing care. So they had to live with them for at least a year before they received 10 care benefits in a nursing home, I guess. And that sibling was providing care in the home. And then that sibling continues to live in the house. Is that is that what that all said? That's what that all said. To yeah. sum it up. Okay. Yes. <laughs> all right. Yes. And our <clears throat> the third one is, and this one, and this one has a subcategory. A son or daughter of the individual meets the following criteria. He or she was lawfully residing in the individual's home for at least two years immediately before the individual's admission to the medical institution. He or she provided care to the individual. For, the, for those two years, which permitted the individuals to reside at home rather than in an institution, he or she has lawfully resided in such home on a continuous basis since the date of the individual's admission. And that is actually called caregiver child. Exception. And, and so a lot of the same 
criteria for when we're talking about the sibling. In this instance, we're talking about an actual child of the 10 care applicant slash recipient. That child had to live with, not just check on, live with the, the 10 care recipient for two years before they go into the nursing home. And they have to provide care in the home for those two years. And then they have to continue to live there after the person has gone into um, the nursing home. So this is like where there are some children, frequently a daughter, but doesn't have to be. They just live with their parents forever. And then as their parents get old and frail, they're taking care of them. And they continue to live there because they've really never lived anywhere else, right? So that sounds like the scenario they're trying to protect the homestead in this situation. So what happens if that child or the sibling stops living in the home? The person goes in the nursing home and they go, I don't need to live in this house anymore. I can go go somewhere else. Then the the undue hardship no longer exists once they either pass away or they move out. Yeah. And so TenCare thinks that that's supposed to be reported then to them when they when they move out. Correct. Correct. You will report that to TenCare. So any of these undue hardship exceptions to take place, you have to request a release for. So we, we do these requests for release are a lot. We call them a TenCare release. Must be submitted to Ten Care. So you get the Ten Care release form. You submit it to Ten Care. You tell them why you think the undue hardship applies to your situation, and then Ten Care determines whether or not the estate is el- eligible for the undue hardship exception. And then they will, then they will give you the the release. I guess. Correct. Yes, ma'am. You'll get a release. It's just a letter, you know, yeah. uh, uh, letting you know that you've gotten the release from Ten Care. That does seem like there's some pitfalls here. Like, what if you have the release and then, I guess, I don't know, and the house is sold. I don't know. It seems like there's still some questions here about that. But that is what TenCare says their process is. So we'll just kind of go with that for now. (laughs) Um, Are there other exceptions? So there are three deferred estate recovery exceptions. And... uh, the individual is survived by a spouse. Mm-hmm. The individual is survived by a child under the age of 21, or the individual is survived by a son or daughter who is blind or disabled. And you actually have to prove that the individual that's blind or disabled is actually uh, blind or disabled through uh, Social Security disability and that they're your actual child. So you have to send over the disability award notice and a birth certificate to TenCare to get that uh, deferred. Right. And most of the time, now, knock on wood, most of the time what we see is the letters just say, here's your, here's your 10 care release. release. Um, I think it also is important to consider how that real estate is titled. I, I think that makes a big difference too. We're talking about the a lot of these deferred exemptions are based upon the assumption that the real estate is still titled to the ten care recipient. Correct. Do you agree with that? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. 
Um, so what about going through probate? Have you ever seen a time when going through probate after a 10 care recipient passes away is a benefit? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, if there, if, if the, um, spouse has a, um, testamentary trust in the will and the spouse owns the home and the uh, spouse passes away, that's a benefit. Um, right. So, but you're talking about the person that's not receiving 10 care. Right. What, what 10 care refers to is the community spouse or the well spouse passes away before the 10 care recipient does. And that person has a testamentary special needs trust. You have to probate to get that trust in existence. And that's a way of transferring title to the real estate and maybe other assets. Uh, that's something we do a good bit here. Yeah, yeah. But usually when someone is on 10 care and they pass away, rarely is probate ever necessary. Rarely is probate ever necessary because they usually don't own anything at, at that. 10 care does not really provide for someone to have a lot of assets and receive benefits, right? Right. We're just trying to pass title to real estate maybe um, at that point in time. And you would... Well, one of the things that happens in probate, in, in all probate cases, is you have to submit this 10-care release to the court. Correct. How do you get a 10-care release? Oh, you, so you you can, the way that I get the easiest way to get it is to, uh, you go to the 10-care website, you go to the legal state recovery, mm-hmm. you, can pull the, uh, you can pull the release form from there and also Google the release form. But uh, but another way is is when you send the death certificate to Ten Care, they'll respond with a Ten Care release to the authorized representative. And the Ten Care re- release, it just it's a request for release form. It it does require you to uh, submit a death certificate, you know, and uh, they're asking if probate has been opened because Ten Care has to be noticed in a probate situation? Um, and then what would be the circumstances that you're requesting a 10 care waiver or a delay or, uh, you know, wh- what's the status here about the real estate? Cause usually that's the only possible asset a 10 care recipient has at their passing. Right. And, and um, that's where you actually see where you can check the box for, you know, the ceases is survived by a child under age 21 Mm-hmm. Uh, deceased is survived by a child that's that's been uh, considered uh, blind or disabled by a social security disability, mm-hmm. or, the de- or the deceased is survived by a spouse. Yeah, there's not a whole lot on this 10 care release form about uh, the undue hardship exceptions, is it? So that right. may yeah. be the benefit of prov- of probating if somebody was on 10 care so that you se- could secure your um, exemption your undue hardship exemption through, and you have a, a basically a forum to do that uh, with an open probate. Well, I don't know if we've helped anybody understand 10 care exceptions and <laughs> to estate recovery and the undue hardship one in particular. But um, so here's an, here's an example. Let's just talk about this. Someone, someone has called and said they have, a family member who always lived with her parents. So let's say there was a female, a child that lived with her parents. 
dad received 10 care uh, in the nursing home for, for a while. This, the other parent, the mom, the surviving spouse, stayed at home and but subsequently passed away. Now this child, who I guess we could assume was a caregiver child, um, Liz still lives in the house. The house is still in mom and dad's name. Dad had 10 care. And mom's probate was open and closed. Don't know what that was all about. We don't have details there. Would 10 care try to recover if that property is sold? Yes, uh, they would try. I, I think I they, they try. Would. Yeah, I think they would try to recover because the the, uh, the caregiver child never went through the necessary channels to get the caregiver child exemption before dad passed away. Because we still have the the house in mom and dad's name and dad right. received 10 care. So you now an argument could be made because this is the person never lived anywhere else. They met it, Assuming they met the caregiver child exception criteria, uh, we would have that going for us. So we definitely would argue undue hardship in that situation. But if that house is going to be sold, then what happens to the money? TenCare is probably going to want that money at the at the. They may never try to force the sale of that house, but when the house is sold, they're probably going to be right there wanting to be paid for the TenCare debt of the father. Correct. Now, I guess this is a point to say, or a time to say, that TenCare is not entitled to the entire proceeds, of course. They're only enti- entitled to recover up to the amount of the debt. And uh, there would be an itemized, well, a relatively itemized statement, at least a month-by-month statement of what, what the debt detailed. And it's actually pretty hard to, to guess what, what that 10 care debt's going right. to be like yeah. in a year in, from 98 to 99. Um they normally, uh, you know, and again, when they send that, send your release out, when you request a release and, and if there's a debt involved, yeah. you're not going to get a release. They'll just send you showing where you owe a certain amount of money. And this is how it breaks down from the time frame that you're on 10 care. But I could easily assume and from 99 to 99, I'm sort of guessing the debt might have been $3,000 a month. And if this, you know, so you might, and they, they don't really charge interest. It's not no, like that no. debt's been sitting there growing interest. Right. So we've got about 36000 It's probably going to be around that, maybe plus something, because there's different factors that go into their formula. But uh, then the rest of the proceeds could still go to the children of the people that own the house. Correct. So it's not like it's a, they're not going to, seize the whole house right exactly that's what and, people think a lot and, and you never know whenever you do file for their release you could get a release by 10 care yes <laughs> so you know uh, because sometimes and we've seen this and i guess it's <laughs> states right to to decide what they're going to pursue and what they're not <clears throat> is the, the debt is insufficient to warrant the or Correct. doesn't warrant the collection attempt or the value of the property is so small that they're not going to try to recover. Exactly. So yeah. there's a lot that goes into it. Um, what would you say is a good takeaway for our listeners, Josh? 
I think a good takeaway is, um, you know, when it's, if you run into a state recovery problems, because it's, you know, I would, you know, reach out, reach out to our office or reach out to any attorney that specializes in, you know, Medicaid and that, uh, that has that experience because TenCare just doesn't take the house, you know, TenCare is not lined up, you know, ready to take everybody's houses. So, you know, and, but, you know, if there's a debt to be paid, TenCare could, you know, recover what they've paid out from the house. So, you know, get, get legal counsel on that. I think that's really the, probably the best takeaway is don't assume the state, the government, TenCare is going to take your house so that you do without care. There's lots of exceptions. Um, it is worth seeking counsel to ask what your options are. How can you protect yourself on the front end? What can you do uh, after the fact to, to argue your point? All right. Thanks, Josh. I really appreciate you. That's it for today's episode. Thank you guys for listening to Aging Starts Now. Takis McGinnis is a life care planning law firm helping families respond to the legal and financial challenges caused by chronic illness or disability of an elderly loved one. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? Document downloads, the Takeus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.